Additional restrictions beyond public notice. Sex offenders on parole or probation in the United States are generally subject to the same restrictions as other parolees and probationers. Sex offenders who have completed probation or parole may also be subject to restrictions above and beyond those of most felons. In some jurisdictions, they cannot live within a certain distance of places children or families gather. Such places are usually schools, worship centers, and parks, but could also include public venues, stadiums, airports, apartments, malls, major retail stores, college campuses, and certain neighborhoods, unless for essential business. In some U.S. states, they may also be barred from voting after a sentence has been completed and, at the federal level, barred from owning firearms, like all felons. Some U.S. states have civil confinement laws, which allow very high-risk sex offenders to be placed in secure facilities, in many ways like prisons, where they are supposed to be offered treatment and regularly re-evaluated for possible release. In practice, most states with civil commitment centers rarely release anyone. Texas has not released anyone in the 15 years since the program was started. In 2015, in response to a class action lawsuit, a federal judge ruled Minnesota's civil commitment program to be unconstitutional, both for not providing effective treatment and for not fully releasing anyone since the program was started in 1994. The U.S. state of Missouri now restricts the activities of registered sex offenders on Halloween, requiring them to avoid Halloween-related contact with children and remain at their registered home address from 5 p.m. to 10.30 p.m., unless they are required to work that evening. Regardless of whether they are at work, offenders must extinguish all outside residential lighting and post a sign stating, no candy or treats at this residence, sex offender at this residence. In the United Kingdom, anyone convicted of any criminal offense cannot work in the legal, medical, teaching, or nursing professions. List 99 includes people convicted of sex offenses barred from working in education and social work, though it also includes people convicted of theft, fraud, corruption, assault, and drugs offenses. Facebook and Instagram prohibit convicted sex offenders from using their websites. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Effectiveness and Consequences the vast majority of sexual offense victims are known to the offender, including friends, family, or other trusted adults such as teachers. This is contrary to media depictions of stranger assaults or child molesters who kidnap children unknown to them. Thus, despite the public awareness of the whereabouts of convicted sex offenders, there has been little evidence to back the claim that mandatory registration has made society safer. According to ATSA, only in the states that utilize empirically derived risk assessment procedures and publicly identify only high-risk offenders, has community notification demonstrated some effectiveness. The majority of U.S. states do not utilize risk assessment tools when determining one's inclusion on the registry, although studies have shown that actuarial risk assessment instruments, which are created by putting together risk factors found by research to correlate with reoffending, consistently outperform the offense-based systems. Studies almost always show that residency restrictions increase offenders' recidivism rates by increasing offender homelessness and increasing instability in a sex offender's life. According to a Department of Justice study, 
5.3% of sex offenders who were released from prison in 1994 were arrested for a new sex offense after three years. Robbers, arsonists and property crime committers, all of which have a recidivism rate of 60-70% to after three years, were the most likely to re-offend. Despite the public perception of sex offenders as having high recidivism, sex offenders had the second lowest recidivism rate, after only murderers, but sex offenders were about four times more likely than non-sex offenders to be arrested for a sexual offense after their discharge from prison. A later study done by the Department of Justice showed an even lower sex offender recidivism rate of about 2.1% after three years. In the late 2000s, a study showed that Indiana sex offenders have recidivism of about 1.03% after three years. Studies consistently show sex offender recidivism rates of 1 to 4% after three years. Recidivism is usually at about 5 to 10% after a long follow-up, such as a 10 to 25-year follow-up. A study by professors from Columbia University and the University of Michigan found that having police-only sex offender registries, for example, Britain, Canada, Australia, significantly reduces sex offender recidivism, but making information about sex offenders publicly available significantly increases recidivism rates. This is because making sex offender information public increases offender stress and also makes the thought of returning to prison less threatening, as some sex offenders may feel returning to prison is not significantly worse than being on the public registry. Some sex offenders may come to view their central identity as being that of a sex offender due to the registry, and the more a sex offender views themselves as being a criminal the more likely they are to re-offend. However, the study also found that making sex offender registration publicly available may deter some potential first-time sex offenders from committing an offense that would get them on the registry in the first place. The thought of getting on the sex offender registry may or may not deter non-sex offenders from committing sex crimes. A 2008 study found no evidence that New York's registry or notification laws reduce sexual offenses by rapists, child molesters, sexual recidivists, or first-time sex offenders. A study by University of Chicago graduate student Amanda Ogden compared sex offender recidivism rates in states where sex offenders were required to register in 1994 with states where they were not required to register in 1994. The results of the study were that sex offender recidivism was, in fact, slightly lower in states where sex offenders were not required to register. This made Ogden question whether creating sex offender registries was a rational idea. The study also showed that blocks in Washington, D.C. where sex offenders lived did not have higher molestation rates than blocks where sex offenders did not live. In at least two instances, convicted sex offenders were murdered after their information was made available over the Internet. The spouse, children and other family members of a sex offender often have negative consequences as a result of having a family member on the registry. For example, residency restrictions will make it harder for a sex offender's spouse and children, not just a sex offender themselves, to find housing. Residency restrictions may even cause a sex offender's family to be homeless. Sex offenders' spouses and children can also face harassment and financial hardship as a result of their loved one's sex offender status. More than half of the children of sex offenders say that fellow students treat them worse due to a parent's RSO status. The Human Rights Watch organization criticized these laws in a 146-page report published in 2007, and in another report in 2013. Registration and Homelessness People who are registered in offender databases are usually required to notify the government when they change their place of residence. This notification requirement is problematic in cases where the registered offender is homeless. 
The state of Washington is among those that have special provisions in their registration code covering homeless offenders, but not all states have such provisions. A November 2006 Maryland Court of Appeals ruling exempts homeless persons from that state's registration requirements, which has prompted a drive to compose new laws covering this contingency. News reports in 2007 revealed that some registered sex offenders were living outside of or under the Julia Tuttle Causeway in Miami, Florida because Miami-Dade County ordinances, which are more restrictive than Florida's state laws, made it virtually impossible for them to find housing. The colony at the causeway grew to as many as 140 registrants living there as of July 2009, but eventually became a political embarrassment and was disbanded in April 2010, when the residents moved into acceptable housing in the area. However, many have lapsed back into homelessness, sleeping alongside railroad tracks. As of 2013 Suffolk County, New York, which had imposed onerous restrictions on sex offenders exceeding those required by New York state law, was faced with a situation where 40 sex offenders were living in two cramped trailers located in isolated locations. This situation had been created by the county in 2007 as a solution to the problem of housing sex offenders. Child Perpetrators In 2017, an Associated Press investigation found that for every adult on child offense, there are seven child-on-child sex offenses. These crimes are rarely reported in the media or prosecuted since it is usually not noticed due to the lack of adult supervision. In cases where a child-on-child abuse has been reported the Child Advocacy Center, CAC, helps the victims with their recovery as well as educate the child so there is no further abuse. In 2019, the CAC reported that 20-25% of their cases were child-on-child abuse and with treatment 98% of them did not repeat it again. However, in 2013, the Human Rights Watch conducted an investigation regarding the excessive punishments and death penalties of the United States where it was found that child perpetrators experience very harsh punishments, which according to the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act, jurisdictions are required to register juveniles convicted of sex offenses on a national, public online registry. In some jurisdictions, consenting teenage couples in possession of each other's nude photographs have also been charged with possessing child pornography and forced to register as sex offenders under mandatory sentencing requirements. For instance, according to the Michigan Penal Code the penalties for sexual activity or material applies to any person who knowingly possesses, distributes, promotes or finances any child sexually abusive material, as well as anyone who persuades, coerces, or knowingly allows a child, person less than 18 years of age, to participate in sexually abusive activity with intention to make child pornography, this includes the person sending the nude photograph, as well as the person receiving them. Canada Canada's National Sex Offender Registry, NSOR, came into force on December 15, 2004, with the passing of the Sex Offender Information Registration Act, SWAR Act. The public does not have access to the registry. Since 2001, the province of Ontario has operated its own sex offender registry concurrently with the federal registry. Unlike the federal registry which has an opt-out provision if an offender can convince a judge they are not a threat, the Ontario registry has no such provision. As a result, individuals who have been convicted of a designated offense at any time after 2001 and relocate to Ontario, are obligated to register for a period of at least 10 years. The registration period begins on the day the ex-offender relocates to Ontario. United Kingdom In the United Kingdom, 
The Violent and Sex Offender Register, BISOR, is a database of records of those required to register with the police under the Sexual Offenses Act 2003, those jailed for more than 12 months for violent offenses, and unconvicted people thought to be at risk of offending. The register can be accessed by the police, National Probation Service and Home Prison Service personnel. It is managed by the National Crime Agency.